Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dicko hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to another episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow for SB Live Sports. Today's guest Someone who I looked up to and admired as a young player growing up in the Portland area because he's also from there, has become a tremendous coach at the college level, but he's just made the transition uh, back to the NBA, the 96 NBA Rookie of the Year, Damon Stoudemire. Damon, appreciate you joining. Um, A little bit of difficulty finding time because you had a new opportunity placed in front of you to go join another fellow Portland guy, Ime Udoka, on the staff of the Celtics. Uh, what was that decision process like? Uh, you know, it was it was hard from the standpoint of, you know, most of the time when I make decisions, I don't think about myself because I know that I'll be all right, you know, whether it works out or it doesn't work out, you know. But what, what people don't understand is, is you know, you, you – you got a coaching staff, um, you have, you know, players. And so for me, you know, one, I was wanting to make sure, you know, behind the scenes that the staff was going to be fine, you know, and, and then two, um, once I finally made my decision, you know, talking to the team and, you know, trying to, trying to, uh, you know, get guys to, you know, understand and take the emotions out of everything and, you know, not be prisoners of the moment and, you know, try to, you know, let's kind of look at it, you know, uh, in another perspective because, you know, it's it's definitely different. It's different for me. It's going to be different for me going to the pros. It'll be different for the staff now that there's a new coach and obviously the players playing for somebody. But, no, it's never easy, you know, and this was such a unique situation because, you know, of, how I got the job and where we started taking this, taking it over, being on probation for three years and things of that nature. So, um, but I, but, you know, um, I made my decision and, you know, I I think it's a great decision. Um, You know, the Boston Celtics are a prestigious franchise and they're top, what we call it, we would say three or four franchise in professional sports, not only basketball itself. So, I just felt it was an opportunity along with, like you said, uh, you know, knowing E-May really well, you know, that made it really easy to have comfort in knowing the guy that I was working for. This wasn't something that was plucked out of left field. And, you know, um, you know, I've been, you know, we've all been through that before, you know, where, you know, I've had opportunities, you know, not as a head coach, but as an assistant before to, to go places and you're like, ah, I just don't know because I don't, I don't know about this situation, but I'm I'm comfortable because I know the guy who I'll be working working for, working with. So. 
Yeah, we both know Ime well from the Portland area. And I was a little surprised Ime went into the coaching profession, I guess. I, I remember we we were at Summer League and he was still trying to figure out if he was going to play one more year in Spain. And we were talking in the concourse at UNLV. He's like, Popovich just reached out to me. He wants to talk about a coaching job. And I looked at him, I said, you probably need to take that meeting because most coaches under Pop end up moving forward and having a great uh, right. run with it. Did you always feel you were going to get into coaching when you were done playing? No, I didn't. I, I never even thought about it, to be honest, which I think, you know, people would ask me that I want to get into coaching, but just like with anything, I mean, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a, a Monday evening quarterback, man. You know, you, you, you critique with your boys, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, but never did I think about wrapping my mind around the whole dynamic of coaching because there's more to it than just critiquing, you know, the, the, the game itself. Um, you know, but then, you know, what happened is, is, you know, one thing that I think we all go through, you know, when you, when you retire from, from the game, or let me say the game doesn't want you no more because I think I, I say this all the time. I say, well, I'll add Dwayne Wade into the equation. But since I've been watching ball, I think that Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and Dwayne Wade are probably the only ones that actually retired. The rest of us, we don't get picked up anymore. You know? <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> you know? And so, and so, uh, and so um, what happened is, is that I was just trying to find my way. Um, you know, you, you, you become regimented through sports. So you're waking up early, you know, obviously you would practice early and things of that nature, but I found it probably after nine 30, 10 o'clock, I mean, I had the rest of my day and I didn't really know what to do with myself. And that's kind of how I got into coaching. I was living in Houston, Texas at the time and um, really good friend of mine who was at Arizona, uh, associate athletic director, um, Chris Del Conte, who is now the, the athletic director at University of Texas. So he was at Rice. He had just got his first gig. So he probably been at Rice about a year. And I used to go mess with him in, in his office. And he was like, you should get into coaching. You know, these kids can benefit from you. And I was just like, ah, you know, I mean, I wasn't really, I wasn't really keen on it. I wasn't down on it, but wasn't keen on it. And so that's kind of how it started. And then I went down and talked to uh, Rice's coach, who was Ben Brown at the time, Ben had been at Cal, you know, had been let go. And so that was his first year, you know, at Rice. And that's kind of, that's kind of how my thing begun. And I started in a capacity of just kind of watching from the sidelines and got a bit interested and probably a month and a half into that tenure, Lionel Hollins got the job at, with the Memphis uh, Grizzlies. Uh, and he called me and, and I actually uh, started, you know, went 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 to Memphis but the irony of that just so you know the backstory of it the owner of the team you know Michael Heisley rest his soul he's, he's a really good man I, I had come to know him really well um, but he was one of the cheaper owners at that time and so he told Lionel because he wouldn't let Lionel hire assist any more assistants so he basically had to come in and keep the same staff for that for the rest of that year but he told him, he said, but I will tell you this. He said, now, you know, Damon is owed some money. So I deferred some money. He was like, Damon's owed some money. You might want to call Damon because he, I still owe him some money um, uh, from, from his years here. And so Lionel called me and that's what he told me. So the first year I actually, those first, the first year 
Um, I actually coached. I didn't get paid in either spot. So, you know, it's, you know, as you know, Dan, what a lot of people don't know when you first get into this, man, you kind of, you kind of bankrolling your, you know, if you got it like that, you kind of bankrolling your career, man, to start off, you know, you got to figure it out. You know, it's not, it's not anywhere near, you know, what people might think it is as you, as you're, as you're coming up the ranks. Yeah, you're exactly right. The one year I spent with the Blazers in a player development role, um, Paul Allen wouldn't pay for health insurance for me and my family. And he, he, I, I didn't work for free, but it was darn near free. <laughs> it was not, yeah. it was not what a lot of people would expect to be your first coaching role uh, at the yeah. professional level. Right. So you grew up in Portland. I grew up just outside of Portland in Vancouver. And yeah. I don't know how it was for you growing up, but I had uh, a huge passion for the game and I, would always watch guys that were similar in size or similar in similar in potential. So some of the guys that I really kind of geared my eyes towards John Stockton, Mark Price, and then two guys in the Portland area, yourself and Terrell Brandon, who did you look up to as players growing up? Well, for me, it was, it was Isaiah Thomas, obviously. And it was um, Chris Jackson. And then I would say, although he was bigger than me, I would I would say it was it was uh, it was Kenny Anderson. Um, I don't say Terrell, but I don't say it from the standpoint I didn't didn't look up to Terrell. I didn't emulate or try to do things that he done. It was just I, I you know you get so used to somebody you know, but Terrell is like a, like a mentor slash big brother to me, but. You know, in terms of, and, and he would tell you this if he was on the if he was on this call right now. Our style of play was so different, anyway. You know, the way we both played the game. You know, as as he likes to as he likes to as he likes to say, you know, he you know you, you know I was more like a Ferrari. You know, I was you know, and he was he was more he was smoother. He was he would be in you know he was the Bentley. He was going to be you know he was really really smooth smooth player. But but Isaiah Thomas. Chris Jackson, I really love that Kenny Anderson, because he was left-handed. But you know, um, those are the guys I emulated. I watched growing up and uh, tried to be like, and and um, you know, it just kind of went from there. You know, but uh, but those three, I would say for me, those were those were the, those were my big influences. Yeah, I loved watching those guys play. Kenny Anderson being a Blazer for a couple of years was great, and then Chris Jackson at LSU. I mean, he he's still playing in the big three. I mean, he's got to be, what, 52, 53, and he's still giving guys buckets. Still giving guys buckets, man. Crazy. Yes. How about welcome to the NBA moment? You step on the floor. It's the first time maybe you're going up against a, a big-time all-star or MVP caliber player that you finally just were like, okay, I'm here, but I absolutely belong here because you're producing, which you did right off the bat being a rookie of the year. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to tell two stories. So one is my welcome to the NBA moment. And then I'm going to tell a story about you because it kind of correlates and it's really funny to me. So <laughs> when we, so I, you know, we, we played the Utah jazz and it was my first time playing against John Stockton. So I'm sitting here and, you know, and I'm like, man, you know, I'm looking at John, I'm like in my head, and I'm before the game start, I'm just like, man, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way this dude can get me. I'm like, you know, he's, you know, John is so unassuming. He doesn't say a word. Um, 
you know, about as about as about as pro, you know, about as a, much of a pro's pro as you can be. And I'm like, man, this guy, this listen, I listen, I'll I'll be I'll be honest. I said, man, this 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 white guy can't get me, man. He don't score the ball. He don't say. <laughs> and, I, and, and you know, and it was so, and it was just, you know, it was so funny because the game, Dan, the game started and, you know, it was a close game. We were at home. It was a close game, but man, I just never played against the dude at that time that just played with such precision, man. The passes, um, the, the the one thing that he was really good at that I tell people, they'd be like, man, what was the one thing about John Stockton? I said, well, first of all, he never dribbled with his left hand. That's the first thing. Yeah. So I said, I said, I said, but the second thing is, man, he'll be busting, he'll he'll bust your ass, but he did it so unassuming. And then he 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 to to me, he would always stamp it. And 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 right when you like, he's not shooting, he's not shooting, he'll come down and make a transition three. Man, that game he had like 29 and 17 I had like seven and five or something I mean he just wore I mean he just and everybody was like and there you know I get back in the locker room they was like man it's all right he's been doing he's been doing that to everybody for, for you know for a long time but it was that's when I said to myself no guys in the NBA are really good you know and I just was like man I just couldn't you know Hall of Fame guy but from you know from that point forward I, I knew like John he was and just Feisty, he was competitive, he could pass, uh, big hands, uh, great hands defensively. Uh, they allowed him to get away with things, you know, but he was a really good player, man. And, and that was my that was my welcome to the NBA moment, you know, because he was just such a good player. Now, I'm gonna tell you this, and and I had never said this to you. So you remember you were playing with, with Dave Waldo's team at the Salvation Army. Yes. <laughs> I'll never forget this, right? <laughs> So we played you guys, you know, in one of those summer league games, which by the way, the summer league games up there were really good. And so I was probably the only guy on my team that had played against you before, obviously, because I used to go down to Clark. So I used to come to Clark and play. So I always felt like going out to Clark and playing was really good. There's some good players there. Now you were younger than me, but I was like, man, he's good. It was like you, Richie, you know, you guys had good, it was good players. You know what I mean? And so, you know, they, they, Dave's team, you got always competitive team and you had to play hard. And so I remember, you know, we were in warm-ups and I'm like, you know, some can't remember who it was actually, but they were, you know, talking about you saying, I got, I got the I got the I got the white boy. I said, hey man, you gotta guard him, man. He's good. I said, you know what I'm saying? I, I was like, Dan is good. Nobody's seen you play. I was like, no, man, he's good. Man. I don't even know how much you scored that game. We lost by like 20, but you had about 40. And I was like, man, I told y'all, I told y'all, you know, the one, and you know, the one thing about it, like I say, I, I just kind of doubling back. It's off, it's off what you asked me, but I just remember playing against you young and then, and then doubling and then doubling back, um, you know, once you went to Washington and transferred, but you were always a guy for a lot of guys up there in Oregon, I was older than you, obviously, but for a guy, for a lot of the guys that were under me, you were like the measuring stick, man. You were the measuring stick for a lot, of, for for a lot of those guys. And you know, I don't think people really give, you know, honestly, I don't think people give you enough credit for the work that you put in. Uh, you know, not only, not only, uh, you know, uh, in, at Gonzaga, but 
you know, even going to the pros, man, I mean, you know, to be a first round pick, I mean, nobody actually probably knows your journey. I mean, I know your journey because obviously you're a Northwest kid, but, you know, I, I, I was, you know, salute to you, man, and, and the things that you did um, to get up to that point because you you definitely, you definitely were one of the guys, man, as I, you know, as I played and coming up, I was like, man, this guy can play. And I, I just, I always wanted to tell you that, man, because I remember it like it was yesterday. And then we, you know, it was, you know, obviously we play on the weekends. So, you know, you go have drinks and stuff after the game. And I was up there, man, I told y'all, I told y'all. But it was crazy, though, know, man. But nonetheless, though, John Stockton, that was my moment. Really good player. No, I, I agree. The, the first time I had a chance to play with John uh, at Gonzaga, it blew my mind just how good he was. And I appreciate those words. Those Portland Salvation Pro-Am games, uh, those bring back a ton of memories. And I remember the first time I, I had met you uh, was very – we had just played you, and I wanted to talk to you about getting, uh, you know, ready for my first freshman year at Washington. And uh, you said, you're going to be all right – except for when you play against those Arizona boys. So you better really be ready that night. <laughs> nah, no, nah, you, you know, like I said, man, I, you know, I had started going over there to, I mean, I, I remember like it was yesterday. See, people always talk about, I'm a bit different. People talk about, you know, what was it like to play in the NBA? You know, to me, the journey to get there was better than being there. Like being there and playing 13 years, it was a blur. You know, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I can tell you about the, the moments that I had, the highs and the lows, but the journey to become a pro, I remember way more. I remember going out to Clark College on Tuesdays and Thursdays playing. I remember that, you know, you go out there, you play some good ball players, man. I, you know, it, you know, the Salvation Army um, playing those summer league games. We had some really, we had some really good, good players, competitive games. And, you know, those were the things that, that, that shaped, that shape, in, in a sense, it shaped all of us, and I think that, you know, uh, you know, even even looking at even looking at the Zags, you know, I, you know, we all, you know, most people, the country that is, they'll say, ah, this is where it's at. No, when I think of the Zags and how it started, I I look at, you know, I, I man, they came right there to Portland, man, Matt Santangelo. I mean, Matt Santangelo was the first dude. I remember when he, I remember when he committed to, to. Uh, to Gonzaga, you know, the, that that era of Matt Santangelo and then Tyrone, Tyrone went to, I think, uh, Colorado or Oregon first. Mm -hmm. And then you had David Jackson went to Utah. Like that was like the first young group of guys. I mean, they were really good players, man. And so, you know, I, I you know, I look at Matt and then I look at all the guys that come behind and, you know, sometimes we forget, but I remember all of that stuff, man. And like I said, sometimes remembering the journey, you know, um, that got you to that point, you know, is, to me is always more refreshing to think back to than sometimes actually the time that was there. Cause like I said, and you, I know you can attest this literally when you become a pro man, it is a freaking blur and it goes by so quick. It is a blur and you're right. I mean, I remember a lot of workouts as opposed <laughs> to specific games, yeah. yeah. but I remember one specific game from, from my career it was my third year in the league. I was with New Orleans the previous year. I was with Portland and the Blazers. We were teammates for about 40 games right. while uh, Mo Cheeks was basically, you were the starting point guard. You played 36 minutes a game. And then there was three of us that was basically draw straws to see who was the backup that night. Myself, Omar Cook and Eddie Gill, none of us could kind of get over the hump and, and earn that backup role. But it was the following year when I finally got a chance to play in New Orleans. 
I had a then career high 25 points against Portland, but I felt really good about it until I looked at the box score and realized you had 54 that night. <laughs> I, 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 t- I tell you what, uh, you know, the crazy thing about, about then, I think both teams were, we were both bad teams. That's what probably nobody talks about. So, you know, it's, I think we just, I don't know, it just turned into a shootout that night. And, and I remember for us, we didn't have a lot of subs because we had a bunch of injuries. I remember that like it was yesterday. So Zach didn't play. Sharif wasn't playing. We had a bunch of injuries. I don't even think Theo was playing. We might have had some 10-day guys and everything. And so, you know, you're playing a bulk of the minutes. And, you know, yeah, it was just – it was one of them games. But now you – you you trust me, you got busy. One thing about you that I always respect, you never was scared a moment. I always tell people, I you know, I even talk about this – you know, uh, another player from 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 the area, Peyton Pritchard. That's why I used to like watching Peyton. You know, in college, and I was like, "Hey, man, I don't know." Some sometimes we play good, sometimes we play bad. But man, those guys is not scared of the moment, and he wasn't scared of the moment like yourself. But you you never were scared of the moment, man. You know, like I said, um, yeah, it was. That was a, that was a, that was a good game. I actually still the the the. The announcer, the guy who announced that game, he came in the back and brought <laughs> he brought me the game ball and 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 brought the uh brought the, the score sheet. And I was like, man, I never seen so much stuff for 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 giving to a guy that lost the game. We lost the game. <laughs> we lost the game. <laughs> well, you're right. Those were two teams that struggled that year. You know, one thing that, you know, some people find interesting, especially now with with college players, name, image, likeness, you can get, you know, commercial opportunities, even though I don't I think a lot of college players are going to be mistaken of how valued they are on that stage. Some guys will have opportunities. Very few will have that. You and I were part of one of the most interesting commercials I had ever been a part of. It was with Portland my second year. We had to go to Vancouver Lake and they put us in floaters and we were out there fishing. So that one was a pretty weird commercial opportunity for me. Did you have any other random ones? I'm thinking maybe in Canada because you were with the Raptors right when they got going and and started really creating interest in basketball in Canada. You know, I I didn't really have any random, everything that I actually did commercial wise was was cool, but the interesting thing about playing in Canada um, the first year, that first year of existence was on the initial, I can remember playing a couple games where I felt like they didn't know when to cheer. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and um, I think that they were so excited about just having basketball uh, that everything else was a sidebar. And, and, you know, that was for me the most, the, the most interesting thing. Now that, that preseason, I remember, we played all our, pretty much all our games in Canada. So we toured the whole country. And um, going to each spot, it was totally different. But I think that they came, you know, they came to appreciate, you know, basketball while I was there, obviously. But, you know, no, it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't really, didn't, didn't really do anything. Or I should say nothing out of character, I should say. Um, you know, but they, you know, the people of Canada were, were really good. And, you know, I had a great time in, in, in my three years up there. Well, last couple things before I let you go, Damon, I appreciate the time. Just a couple quick hitters. Uh, who was the best coach you ever played for in the NBA? In the NBA? Um, 
the best coach I played for extended, you know, I thought was, and when I say extended, that's more than one season. I played, I played with, with uh, Popovich for, for half a season, but uh, or San Antonio and Popovich for half a season. But I, I thought, I, I really like Mike Fratello. Really, 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 he's a disciplinarian. You know, he, you know, some people would say he's tough to play for, but I was all right with that. Um, and the reason I think, the reason I loved him was because I felt like he relied, he revitalized me, you know what I mean? So it was my 10th year. I'm leaving Portland. You know, I had been with the same team for seven years. And, you know, you go to an organization. We got we got a young pal to so, um, he hadn't been an all-star yet, you know, and, you know, he developed into an all-star. That was, that was the, the first year he was an all-star. We were a pretty good team. And I ended up, end up tearing my patella tendon that same year and it ended my season. But up until that point, you know, I felt like I was playing my best basketball that I played for me in a long time, you know. And so I, I really enjoyed that. You know, I felt like he did a great job there. I played for, I played for some good – a guy that was a lot like him, um, you know, I, I just think we didn't have a team, obviously, it was Brendan Malone, uh, Michael Malone's dad. I thought that he knew his stuff, um, really organized, meticulous. Now, we practice long now. We, we used to practice three. And I looked at these young guys, Dan, can you imagine? I don't, I don't even know. You might not even have had it when, when you came to the league. But when I first came in the league, you literally, I was playing 40 minutes and still practicing three, three hours, you know, a day, never had any days off. We really never had any days off. And I guess that was just the old school mentality. But I really thought Brendan knew his stuff. He was sharp. Um, you know, always, always on point with the scouts and things of that nature. You know, but but I would say, I would say uh, you know, those guys, you know, I would but I also would say that in my short period of time, uh that 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 pop when I was in San Antonio, I was still things. I stole a couple of things that I use as a coach today um, that I think are really good, you know, especially as you get deeper in the season um, and, and, you know, you're trying to keep the team fresh, but you're also trying to keep them sharp. So, you know, there's things that I took, took from him that I think that translated and helped because I was, you know, actually a bit surprised at, at actually how much we didn't practice in San Antonio but yet how sharp we still were when, when we played, you know what I mean? So yeah. um, obviously those things worked. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you on the, the, the best coaches can have short practices to, to sharpen details. I played for Byron Scott my third year in New Orleans, and we would have a back-to-back, -back, and that's when I was playing big minutes, and then we would all be expected – you got a two and a half hour practice the next day and you're going to go three man weave for the first 15 minutes of practice. You're going to do one-on-one -on -one zigzags. You're going to do all the stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it was, it was interesting. How about the best teammate now, not necessarily the best player, but the best teammate, someone who really impacted uh, the team and maybe was a leader. Well, that's, that. that's, that's really easy. Um, I, I think that, you know, that was Rasheed Wallace. Um, I thought that I thought that he was the best teammate. And, and the reason I thought he was the best teammate because I thought he was so unselfish as a player. You know, I felt like, you know, what a lot of people probably did, I felt like he could have did a lot more. 
but I just felt like, you know, where he came from basketball wise, if you look at the his, his history as a basketball player, Simon Gretz High School, you know, they were very successful. I think he might have lost maybe one, maybe two games in high school. He played with Aaron McKee. I mean, he, he's seen it such, on such a high level where he's played with high level players. He goes to North Carolina, plays for Dean Smith. You know, if you historically look, you know, at most North Carolina players, you know, they all kind of are, are unselfish to a T. You know, they play the right way and things of that nature. But I really thought, you know, in terms of verbalizing things, I thought Rasheed was really smart. Um, I thought that, you know, in terms of, you know, ball screen defense, for instance, I think he'd be great playing in today's basketball at all the switching. Uh, he was a loud mouth on defense. He talked all the time. Like, these are things that, man, you, you kind of fight and you fight guys to do this type of stuff. You know, we, we go through scouting reports and, you know, I can remember, you know, it didn't matter. KG, Tim Duncan, Carl Malone, you know, the best in the league. At that time, we would go through a scouting report in Portland and we talk about, you know, if we got to come double and he'd just be like, you don't got to come. <laughs> you know? and whether they were, whether they was, look, we just, we, we, we'll be all right. You know, we'll adjust, we'll make, but you don't got to come. You know, don't come. But, you know, I thought he was, I thought he, you know, if you watch him on the bench, he was just as happy for his teammates as if he was scoring 20 some points, if that was the case. You know, that, I, you know, I just, I just thought, I, I just never, I met, I never met a guy that was as good as him. Um, that was just as good of a person and a teammate as well. You know, and I thought that was, you know, I, you know, when I think about my best teammates, especially in the pros, I, I think about him, you know, and not to mention we had a long run together. I mean, we played together, Dan. We played together seven years, man. You know, so that's in the NBA, man, that's a long time to play with one person. So we played together for a long time. So we had ups and downs together. So, um, you know, we shared a lot of moments, but yeah, he's my, he was my best teammate. Yeah. yeah, he was, he was a great player. That's for sure. I, I enjoyed watching him as, as a as a fan of the Blazers before I got in the NBA, and he was difficult to play against, that's for sure. But, Damon, I appreciate all the time. I know uh, you've got a lot of things going on your plate right now. We're uh, moving back to Boston. Looking forward to watching you and Ime coaching it up together, and uh, thanks again for joining. Dan, thanks for having me, man. Um, best of luck, man. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.